You're just telling me about this now for the first time. You competing with your friends from college? That competition is the history of colonialism, okay? And the oppression of women and the fucking up of the podcast. Hello, everybody. My name is Lucian, and I am one of your hosts of Adam and Ben New and Selected, a podcast about the films of Ben Stiller and Adam Sandler. I'm joined by my... Competing um, host. Competing host. My one-time school friend who went on to much... College friend who went on to much bigger and better things. And mm-hmm. now I spend every day stewing in resentment as to what could have been and how I could be more like him. It's Shane. I'm the corporate chill. You're the man that works in education. This is true. Yeah. Um, the kid who plays Ben Stiller's son in this movie, Austin Abrams, is, was on... Uh, was in like... Straight into it. A couple episodes of The Walking Dead. So we want to talk about The Walking Dead for a few minutes. We'll talk about the film in like 10 minutes. Yeah. We just give us a few minutes. You can skip a couple of minutes if you don't want to hear about The Walking Dead. Okay. How many episodes of The Walking Dead have you seen? Two and a half. Okay. I've seen two. Yeah, but not like... Episode one, episode and two. I don't think a full episode. I think it's been like five half, ep- five half episodes on RT2. Yeah. At half 12 when nothing else is on. The Walking Dead is like an interesting um, microcosm of all of Hollywood for the last 15 years where John Bernthal is in one episode and then he dies and then they're like, shit, we got rid of John Bernthal too early. What do we do? And I feel like that's like all of film and TV for the last decade. The only two images I know of it really are, there's like, is it like Rick the cop has a son? Does he? Okay. I don't know. To me. And that was a meme at one I, point. And then there was Rick the guy with some fellow with a baseball bat yeah and yeah. his name is not nidge Naaman, namor i have no idea N- N- nathan i'm close those are the only two images i every time they have like show. there are some actors who have um come from walking dead who are really talented like yeah. Stephen young um and a few others so his character on that show is called uh is called negan negan i was close okay yeah, there's like there's like four times during The Walking Dead that I remember it being like a big deal that something had happened on The Walking Dead. Yeah, that's sorry, that's more what I mean. It, so like, it was like yeah, a so cultural like, the number one thing for yeah. a week. Maybe so like they killed Stephen Young's character and they put it on the cover of Entertainment Weekly and yeah. they were like, Goodbye, Mr. Man. And then Negan showed up with his baseball bat and they put it on the cover of Entertainment Weekly and they were like, Hello, Mr. Man. Yeah. And then Andrew Lincoln, Rick the Cop, I guess, died. And they put him on the cover of Entertainment Weekly. And then that's it. That's everything that but I've But I, I haven't... He's been off the all... show for a couple of years. I think the lead of the show now is is Mr. Motorcycle guy who scares me. Mr. Man. What's his name? Mr. Motorcycle? The Motorcycle Man. <laughs> What's his I name? Haven't, I haven't learned a single piece of information about The Walking Dead, I'd say, in about four <laughs> or five years. Everything I've learned, I've learned against my will. Yeah. I like how the second character listed on the fucking cast is John Bernthal, even though he dies in the pilot, doesn't he? I've no idea. It says like our, our discussion about The Walking Dead before the pod started started with the question: Was most of the information is it still on? Yeah, is, still is this on? show still running? And Norman Reedus, Daryl, he's the guy I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. He's like the lead of the show now. Still, oh, he's always yeah. been there. Yeah, he's always been there. Yeah, okay. Uh, Danai Guerrera, who's now Black Panther, she was on it and she died. Mm-hmm. She's really good. Michael Rooker was on it. Um, David Morrissey, um, just oh, a lot of real bad actors like Christian Serratos from Twilight and and Ned's Declassified, like not good actors, like <laughs> third tier TV actors. Just sounds terrible. Negan's dead anyway, I think. Like, do they still work up to big set pieces at the end? Or I guess gotten so. lazy. I wonder. Must have a big budget, right? I will still. Yeah. So they must be like, okay, the season, this season is all set in an abandoned, and then they include a... Yeah, they just, as far as I'm aware... The sirens in the background, guys, it's the Walking Dead police. They're coming to get us saying bad things about the Walking Dead. But what? They did this abandoned hospital, abandoned prison. Mm -hmm. Probably abandoned village of one sort. Abandoned village. That's the thing. It's probably cheap enough to make because there's no... Like, you don't they have don't, to really build sets. The characters all just hang out in one location. Yeah. So then they did Fear the Walking Dead, which is a prequel okay. about how the virus started. That show sounds like a hundred times more interesting to me. Mm. So Kim Dickens is in that. She's great and had a pretty good cast. 
And I mean, that show was about like the outbreak of a zombie. Did that run simultaneously or did that like swap in for a season or something? It it would swap in when the show was off. So like it would be like like, four months of Walking Dead, four months of Fear the Walking Dead. Sure, yeah. I think Fear the Walking Dead sounds like a show I would rather watch. I have no interest in zombies. However, I like pandemic stuff. I like stuff about things going, catastrophes happening globally. I have no interest. Yeah, I like seeing societal reactions to Yeah, post-apocalyptic stuff doesn't interest me as much. Like... Station Eleven, which is like my favorite show of the year, the, st- the parts of that I like the most are the how the world goes to shit parts, and the how people function after the world goes to shit parts are good, but they're, they don't interest me quite as much. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, I have nothing else to say about The Walking Dead. No, sure, I've I think never we seen should it. Talk about no, I've never seen it. So I think we should talk about the movie Brad Status, which is really great and deserves our attention. Yeah, it deserves some attention. I, I mean, three hours ago. I was like, maybe Brad Status, my favorite film. Uh, I think yeah. I've cooled in the last two hours. I think this is a film that while you're watching it, you're like, this is the best. And then maybe three hours later, you're like, I don't know. It's pretty good. I'm sensing a theme in, Adam's, in Ben Stiller's films these days. Really? What, what was... Oh, this movie is identical to fucking uh, While We're Young. And Walter Mitty kind of falls in that. And Walter Mitty, yeah. And uh, Reality Bites, kind of. I mean, there's elements of severance in it just kind of... This is true. I feel like we've done a few Ben Stillers in a row now that all have kind of like the similar vibe, probably because they all came out around the same time. Unfulfilled middle-aged man. Yes. I think this is one of the great unfulfilled middle-aged man stories of the century. I think that this is like so viscerally depressing Mm -hmm. in how it's like constantly trying to aim for positivity with the way the music is set up and the situations it creates. And this guy is just not enjoying his life. But it doesn't like go for easy punches in terms of like he's miserable. It's more it's more like it takes you a while to figure out just how unhappy he is, I think. And I think that makes it sadder because the film's not pitched as a tragedy. It's pitched as like a dark comedy, but I find it really sad. But I think it is like optimistic in a sense because he does seem to have fleeting moments of but does positivity. It end, and does it end on a moment of positivity where he's like, you're still alive. You're still alive. Yeah. You're know. still alive. You still have. That seems like to a coping. Things. That seems like a coping mechanism more than a epiphany. I guess. I don't know. I feel like I was in a mood today to watch this, where I was like getting annoyed at work. I was like thinking a lot about. Yeah, it. I don't think any of my issues with this have to do with like the themes and all that. It's more sure. the stylistic presentation of the whole sure, thing. Okay. Well, I was watching it today, and I was like personally like annoyed at my job, annoyed about my house. Yeah. I was getting kind of irritable about the way my life looks and the way I talk to people or whatever. And I was like, oh God, like I, I relate so deeply to this 50 year old man mm-hmm. and I am half his age and I shouldn't, I'm more closer to the son's age, but I've missed the sons. This is honestly one of the better arguments of Fuck. I've seen for having kids. Better argument? Really? Cause it gives you something to like put yeah. some hope into. Yeah. It's a really good point actually. I don't know. I think watching this film as someone who's like two years out of college when this film is basically like, college is your last chance to feel important mm-hmm. and feel like you can make a difference. I find this so depressing. Yeah. Like I really, really, um, yeah, I was really upset by that. Like, and I, I felt that way the first time I watched it about a year and a half ago, where I was like, fuck, like this is a film about a guy realizing that the moment in his life that he was most able to feel important and feel like he could change the world was 25 years ago. And yeah. his son is about to have that moment and then it's going to pass him by as well. And I, and it just passed me by. This film was released the week I started in university. Um, and I think it's interesting that that is the case, even though I didn't see it till a year ago. I think it's interesting this film like really marks a moment in my life where I'm like, oh, God, I wish I'd seen this film in 2017. You know, the fact that I waited four years to watch it frustrates me because I wonder if I'd watch it in 2017. Maybe I would have uh, maybe I would have uh, enjoyed, you know, lived in the moment a little bit more. I don't know. I don't, I like personally, I don't feel like I've passed that. Maybe I'm but just a more optimistic I person en- than yeah, you. Yeah, I envy you. Yeah. I still feel like a young man. I'm on such a, the such best a things ahead of him. I'm having such a quarter life crisis. This yeah. Week. Yeah. I'm not. It's all, it's all bright roads no, and sunshine for me. Is, my optimism is totally gone. And I don't think that's, that's because I'm my age as much as it is because it's 2022. Yeah, no, it, there's always a fear that, like... I think the world is worse than it was. The frequency, the frequency of mm. milestones in your life is going to yeah. completely drop. Well, there's that, but I... I mean, it's like, 
I feel like now I'm living with a frequency of milestones fear, which is like a very old fear. And then I'm also living with an end of the world fear, which I don't think even was as bad when Brad's status was made. Like, mm, I have no fear of the end of the world at all. That's like, I wish I lived in your head. Like, I don't know. So like the, the like regretting that I didn't like enjoy college as much or whatever. I also, yeah, I don't know. I'm not going to turn this podcast into a therapy session. I feel like the, the moments in this film where where okay, so we can talk about the plot in a sec, but the moments in this film where Ben Stiller is hanging out with his son and his son's friends, mm-hmm. the two girls in 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 Harvard, and Stiller is like, I'm watching these girls talk about their um, ideas to change the world and and the things they're passionate about, and and he's kind of bitter about how his wife is just like so content with her job and has no interest in anything and uh, the way he kind of like bitches about his wife for the whole film is like a little bit annoying but also i'm like the way that the the way that he responds to these younger people that he's 25 years older than i shouldn't feel that way about people who are like one year younger than me yeah and I do when I talk to someone. No, who's you like, have to be forty-seven to yeah. feel bad about. When I talk things. to someone who's like three years younger than me or one year younger than me, sometimes I'll feel this way, um, where I'm like, "Oh, you, you stupid, naive fools!" Mm. And I hate that I'm like middle-aged prematurely. But also, I understand why I am in terms of like the way I live my life. But I am, and it's frustrating. Anyway, has watching this inspired you to make any big changes to your life? Like, kind of. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I was watching this, and I was like. I feel like I should turn this film on every time I'm like being a dick to people because I think it's like a it's such a good film about like pathetic male resentment and bitterness yeah. and like allowing yourself to be consumed by self-pity over making actual changes of things you have control of. Yeah, that's it. That I'm watching it and I'm like I feel like I need to watch this film every time I'm blaming other people for things I'm unhappy with in my life because I think this film is really smart in how it sets up these friends of his as villains from his narration mm-hmm. and then ultimately when you're introduced to them you're like honestly like they're not really any worse than he is um so i feel like i found watching in the moment i was watching this i suddenly felt entirely this moment of awareness of like oh boy i am responsible for my own decisions and the things that make me unhappy in my life i can control and other mm-hmm. people aren't responsible for and it takes a certain kind of film to make me have a certain to like to put a lot of my problems in perspective. Um, doesn't happen from a lot of films I watch. So yeah. when I was watching it and that happened, I was like very moved and I was like, this is actually a lot better than I give it credit for. And by the end of the film, I was like, I was like, this is fantastic. I don't know. I had a very strong reaction to it. Yeah. Today. Anyway, we can talk about the plot of it. What happens in it? Ben Stiller. Yeah. Is going on a trip to, from, he lives in Sacramento and he's flying yeah. to the East Coast to visit various colleges with his son, mm-hmm. who Troy, Troy, who and is a music is prodigy. Guy. Yes, we never see him play. No, we? none of the lives. We do in the end credits. Oh, we do, I guess. But he's just like sure, a whatever. Drum or anyway, yeah. he wants to get into Harvard. Mm-hmm. Ben Stiller is kind of confused. Yeah, when he realizes that his son might get into Harvard, he's kind of like, "Wait, you?" Yeah, and then I don't know. Is that kind of a jealousy thing? Mm. A bit of jealousy, a bit of the fact that he probably has, hasn't been paying attention to what his son is yeah, up to. Yeah, a bit of both. And anyway, they're just kind of visiting colleges. Yeah. His son has an interview at Harvard, and I, I found this bit very relatable. Yes. He just, like, got the day of the meeting wrong. Yes. And <laughs> very Shane moment. Oh, yeah. and, and the way he's, like, he's not, like, screaming and crying about it like I would be. He's like, yeah. well, I missed it. Yeah, so it's kind of my fault. I better I'm move on. I'm just going to do the next version of it. And yeah. Stiller is like, no, 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 no. You have to do it this way. You have to do it the proper way. And here we go. Let's see the benefits of being rich and yeah. having connections. So Stiller, they're not, like, rich, rich. And he's, uh, like, a little, he's, like, the, the point in the film, I think, is that they're, like, very comfortable. But that's not enough for him because his friends are proper rich. Yeah. So he's, like, I am going to uh prove my nepotistic abilities here and i'm going to ring up some of my buddies and get somebody to link me up to get to get my son into harvard Mm -hmm. and it works and he gets special treatment for his son via a phone call with his buddy um played by michael sheen who's like a political guy in washington um he checks in with his other friends as well and then anyway they basically like they're on they're in the cut they go on the college road trip yeah they go to like three colleges or like two two they meet up with some girls that the son knows and they go drinking with them, go for dinner with them. And then Stiller like sneaks back out to have a deep, meaningful conversation. Yeah, he just has like a several hour long rant about his life and his problems. And yeah. at the end of it, she's just like, shut the fuck up. Yeah, but like politely shut the fuck up. 
Yeah, she's, she's like, just like she's like shut up, you're privileged, blah blah blah. But then at the end of the scene, they like are still on good terms. I don't know, it's interesting. Yeah, and then they what? What do you think? What's your take on like Stiller's attitudes towards young people being kind of dismissive of his problems? Um, does he like resent young people, or is he just like no? I think that he the narration Stiller, like the depiction of it is like the the young 21 year old girl, girl or whatever is yeah. using a lot of these sort of social media in, buzzwords yeah. and stuff the is internal he like, monologue he irked by that i think the internal monologue he's doing over the narration is different to the character he's playing on screen the character that he's playing on screen in the scene where he's arguing with the girl in the bar he's like no 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 wait i'm gonna explain to you why i ended up this way and why you're gonna be the same as me but then the narration yeah he's ultimately just more, trying to impress her i think yeah but the narration is a lot more um is a lot less ar- arrogant. The narration is like, "Ugh, I knew that I'd lost her respect. I guess I've got to explain this to her to win it back." Yeah. I feel like the narration is a more honest and like less, pitiful, like. yeah, pitiful, but like yeah. less, less embarrassingly arrogant version of him. Yeah. Um, but like also the way that he talks about his, the way his life has turned out, like I'm sympathetic. I'm sympathetic. I'm like I'm never like ah fuck you. You've got everything you want. Like. He's obviously not like a terrible person. He set no. up a nonprofit. He never strived for wealth. He may have strived for like prestige and respect, mm-hmm. but like he never strived to be like a a profit profit you know profiteering multimillionaire. Yeah, sure. Like if his NGO did make money, money, but he was on the news every day. In yes. theory, that'd make him yeah. a lot happier, kind of. And he's like saying to the girl, like, "You're better off just making loads of money and making a change through the Bill Gates angle," and. Yeah, I don't know. Like, maybe he's right, you know? I think it's interesting. Mm-hmm. And, like, he's he's said to have studied politics years earlier, which she is also studying now. And he's got a sense of these things. And he's got this weary, middle-aged... I don't know. Like, he's probably That's existed in the adult world for the last 20 years and seen very little change exactly. through, his, through his field. He's experiencing a macro version of what I experienced, where I tried one year of advocacy work, did not got nothing done, it was irritated by every interaction and just swung back around to, oh, I'll just earn money and blah, blah, blah. And and that happened to me in one year. So he's been doing that for 25 years. Um, And now he's, I don't know, yeah. His bitterness towards his friends and his bitterness towards his son are kind of contradictory, but it's because he's like, oh, my son gets to experience college and people who have fresh ideas and he gets to be around these women who talk about their big ideas, but also... I wish I was more like my friends who just have loads of money because they worked in corporate jobs. Mm-hmm. So he kind of wants to have his son's life as the most naive, idealistic version of himself. And he also wants to have his friends' lives as the most cynical version of himself, which is interesting. But I'm never not sympathetic to him at any point in this film. I think that I maybe I, should be, I shouldn't be. Um, maybe I'm just like that because I'm relating to what he's saying. Because all the letterbox reviews of this film by like women and <laughs> people who aren't like straight white men mm. were like this movie is about problems that don't exist blah, blah, blah. and i'm like that's the point i think the film is like a satire of yeah him thinking that his life is so hard in a very like it's stated explicitly yeah. through the young yes. female character it's like very fucking novelistic like a lot of american fiction is like this it's very obnoxious men with money complaining but they know that they're stupid to complain but it's still entertaining mm. um I mean, this is obviously a somewhat biographical thing for him, I'd imagine. I guess so. Like he, he may, he he's made too many films like this to not. He has, but also Stiller did not write, direct, or produce this film. Oh, did he not? Um, this film is a uh, Michael White joint, and oh. I'm going to get into the Michael White uh, conversation now, I suppose, because I think this is a Mike White movie. Uh, through and through so mike white is in the film so you'll know him to see it's this fella here he's oh, one yeah. of the ugliest men in the whole world he's, from uh, uh, he's in school of rock isn't he yes he is yeah, he's he guy. wrote school of rock as well mike white is a hugely successful um writer director huh. uh showrunner and actor mike white who's in studio 60 he's no that's no, a different guy that kind of looks like a different him. guy kind of looks like him yeah the control room guy yeah, no, that's that's uh, that's that's uh, uh, Thomas uh, something. He's got a similar. Yeah, he does. Uh, hey. No, so Mike White won the uh, Independent Spirit uh, John Cassavetes Award in 2000 for his film Chuck and Buck, which is a film that I watched with last week's guest Brendan mm-hmm. uh, years ago that we 
did not enjoy. Well, I didn't really see the whole thing. Okay. He he did. Um, so that's like a weird gay comedy he made in 2000. Then he wrote School of Rock. He wrote, um, wait, what else did he write here? He wrote uh, Orange County, School of Rock, Nacho Libre, uh, The Emoji Movie, Pitch Perfect 3. He's writing Despicable Me 4 at the moment. Mm-hmm. He, he's like hired to do comedies. It's weird. He's in uh, School of Rock and he's in Separate Wives and he's in Zombieland. And he is the showrunner of The White Lotus, which is nominated for an insane number of um, Emmys this year, uh, which is a huge hit last year for HBO. And he also wrote on Freaks and Geeks and Dawson's Creek. And he was showrunner of a HBO show called Enlightened with Laura Dern. And in the book about HBO that I read recently, there was a whole section about how him and Laura Dern hated each other so much that the show was <laughs> canceled. Uh, basically just because they hated each other, even though it was a huge hit. But him and Laura Dern couldn't work together. So I get the sense that he is a big personality. Um, He's got a good resume there, though. He's a good resume. I'd say he has a lot of money. But I wonder if he's, like, a very difficult person. (laughs) I wonder. Um, He casts himself in the film as one of the friends. I feel like he doesn't have any dialogue in this, does he? No, he he doesn't show up He's only shown in, like, weird montages. I don't know why he is in it. Narcissism? I don't know. Yeah, and, like, he's not, like... All the other three friends are kind of slighted in various ways. Yes. Whereas he's not. He's just sort of like... The one comment that's made about him that's not depicting him at the beginning is like, oh, he's gotten very gay. Yeah. Which I don't get. It's just just kind of like another person with an indulgent life that Ben is... Yeah, because he never contacts him. Yeah. It's Um, odd. It is odd. So like it, it, the film would function fine without him. Yeah, it would. I, he just wanted himself in there, I guess. Yeah, I guess. And to have a have a bit of a gay presence, I suppose, among the friend group. I don't know. It's weird. But he, he's he's like a voice, and I imagine that this film is probably somewhat autobiographical for him. It's more of a reflection of him than. So. Um, now he doesn't seem to have kids, or he's obvious, and he seems to. Well, he says he's bisexual, but anyway, he doesn't have kids, and he's not in this like. He's not in this, like, nuclear family situation. So I don't know if that family element of this film has anything to do with him. Maybe that bit is taken from Ben Stiller's mm-hmm. life. Maybe it's just <laughs> fictional screenplay stuff. But, uh, yes, no, it's interesting. I do wonder how much Ben Stiller, um, Ben Stiller's life parallels with this. I think Reality Bites, sorry, I think While We're Young is probably closer to how Ben Stiller exists given that it's set in the film world i feel like ben stiller trying to like hang out with younger people in the film world seeming cool probably does feed into that a lot Mm -hmm. as well as noah baumbach's life obviously um but yeah it's interesting um but anyway the friends in this film that we've been referring to that he's jealous of are michael sheen as craig fisher who works in washington dc and is a i don't know like slimy democratic strategist guy who's on cnn a lot i'm trying to figure out who he's meant to be like david axelrod man maybe i don't know and then luke wilson is what's his job he's a hedge fund manager okay just whatever whatever and then jermaine clement is like really weird casting because obviously jermaine clement is this new zealand guy from um flight of the concords and men in black three and he's like he never shows up in these sorts of roles i don't know it's funny that he's he's the flight of the concords guy yeah oh funny he's the villain in men in black three ah. uh i've never been a fan but uh he's in the like he's in the extended taika waititi family mm-hmm. i just don't particularly enjoy uh new zealand comedy uh although the flight of the concords guys did contribute some really good music to the recent muppets films but anyway he's the other friend and these guys only appear in the film via phone call those two guys do yeah. via phone call and uh michael sheen actually shows up uh, for a big scene at the end where he goes for dinner with Brad and they bicker and kind of passive aggress each other and then Brad kind of snaps and is like you didn't even message me when my mother died and you are really rude and whatever and then storms out and I'm but also like, he did just get a son into college he did just get a son into college but he also I don't know, I I know he, he, was pities, just... he pities Brad like he's like oh yeah and that put him well off. done on your little project you know yeah and Brad is like, oh, we used to compete when we were younger. And mm-hmm. he's like, no, we didn't. Yeah, like, I never competed with you. Which is obviously meant to mean, like, you're not even in my league of competition. Yeah. What is that pettiness on Ben Stiller's character side? Um, That part? I don't know. I would have felt the same way. I guess. I don't know. What is that an unfair way? To... Anyway. Yeah, I'm too petty to be, uh, to be objective about this character because... Uh, 
we are the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Sheen is a fucking great actor. Uh, I thought he was good in this. Never going to get to talk about him again on this podcast, probably, but he is a great actor. I love Michael Sheen. I always love when he I love Sleazy Washington characters. Yes. Was but Michael Sheen is so English that it's all, or Welsh. He's so Welsh. Really? That it's always funny to me when he shows up in films as an American. You know Michael Sheen's work, don't you? I feel like I should. Really? Okay. Well, Michael Sheen is Welsh and he plays Tony Blair a lot. He's always yeah, playing okay, Tony okay, Blair. Okay. He played him in The Queen. He played him in The Deal. He played him in The Special Relationship. He's British Bruce Greenwood. He is British Bruce Greenwood. He's, he is to, to Blair what uh, Bruce Greenwood is to Kennedy. And he play, he's in Frost Nixon, which is probably like his biggest role. He's, he's David Frost in Frost Nixon. He is in The Damned United. You ever watch that? The nope. soccer movie? Okay. He plays Brian Clough in that. Yeah. He is in uh, Twilight movies. He's the main, like, um, he's like the sort of uh, Italian, how would I describe him? He's like the Italian vampire pope in the Twilight movies. Interesting. In a fucking incredible performance where he shows up with his face painted white. He looks white. kind of vampire in this even. Yeah, he's vampire. He played vampire. He, he's played vampires in the Underworld movies. Yeah. No, but he shows up in Twilight with his face painted white and his long black hair. And he's like really, he's doing a real like, uh, I don't know. It's like somewhere between like fucking Jack Sparrow and like Sean Harris performance. It's really good. Yeah. Um, Just creeping, dramatic. Kind yeah. Of. And he was in a show for years on, on, on Showtime called Masters of Sex, which was on for years. Nice. He's in Tron Legacy. He's in 30 Rock as a character called Wesley Snipes. <laughs> and the joke is, would Wesley Snipes not make more sense as a name for a scrawny British guy? And they're like, yeah, it would. It would. Yeah. Um, he's in Midnight in Paris. He's in... Um, Wesley Snipes. A lot of... Yeah, oh, it's very funny at the time. Um, he's in another college movie, uh, Admission, the Paul White's movie with Tina Fey. Uh, anyway, he's great. I love Michael Sheen. I'm always happy when he shows up and stuff. An actor I have so much time for. Mm-hmm. And he is good in this movie. The other guys I have no strong feelings on. Nice to see Luke Wilson back, reunited with Ben after Tenenbaums. But he's really in this film for like, what, two minutes? And he's not like in any scenes with Star. He's not in any scenes with Star. Do you think he's these guys just shot their scenes like... Yes. Well, complete, him, and, him yeah. and Clement, yes, I do. Yeah. I think you could have got bigger stars for those roles, to be honest. Ah, Luke Wilson was a nice face. Luke Wilson was a nice face, but Jermaine Clement, like, I don't see why Mike White couldn't have gotten, like, Hanks or Jack Black to play that role. And mm-hmm. I think that would be funny. Like, yeah, yeah. I think if if that character was played by somebody more famous than Ben Stiller or as famous as Ben Stiller, like a contemporary of Ben Stiller, I think it would be funnier than being, like, random New Zealand comedian that yeah. you probably don't know it'd, by name. Like, it would really kind of emphasize the point. Yeah, like, it would, it would be fun. Um... The only other famous person in this movie, so it was Jenna Fisher, we'll get to. Mm-hmm. The only other famous person in the cast list of this movie is Jimmy Kimmel, who shows up as, as in, a, in a fantasy interview sequence with the sun. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which is really funny and random and is kind of out of whack with the rest of the movie, which feels like independent drama. And then you're yeah. like, oh, yeah, this was made by very famous people because Jimmy Kimmel's in it. Anyway. Um, I feel like, yeah. what's your take on the kind of like fantasy sequences? They're great. I really I like, like them. them. I don't know. I just didn't feel like they went hard enough. They didn't go hard enough. They should have been like a musical number or something. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. No, yeah, you're uh, right. I they think could. a musical number in the middle of this. So yeah, what you name dropped before we started recording and what the fantasy sequences are a little similar to is is our well, my favorite film of the year, The Worst Person in the World. Yeah, no, that was the first film comparison I yes, could think of this. Which has a narrate narration device, mm-hmm. somebody doubting their decisions in life yeah. for two hours straight, basically. And it's it's a younger person, it's a it's a woman, twenty years the junior of of Brad, but it's um, similar in the sense that her she will her mind will wander to what if what if what mm-hmm. if constantly, and the film will sometimes show us what if in fantastical. Uh, but form. I I really don't think this kind of hits the. You weren't satisfied by what it did. No, I feel like. I feel like in worst person in the world, mm-hmm. some of the tangents that go down, some of the yeah. perspectives that they present very were far. kind of. Yeah. Not stuff I'd immediately think of. I think mm-hmm. a lot of Ben Stiller's songs and it's a very literal, they're very, obvious. very kind of obvious. Yeah, like my son like, is on a talk show. Like they're not. I feel bad. Yeah. But I, not, well, I should feel good sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's kind of it is a bit of a kind of a not basic, but it's very. That's true. The script for this on paper isn't exceptional. Like there is a lot of di- of like dialogue in this, which is a little bit first drafty, I suppose. 
but I felt that it came. I felt that it came together. Nevertheless, I no, know. I think it's it's completely coherent and it works well. Yeah, but there's nothing. There aren't like there's nothing distinct in it. I'd go back to yeah. and think that's deep, a, deep thoughts you'll be thinking about tonight. Yeah, I, yeah. I think the vibe of it was more what I will stick with me more than the dialogue. Like I thought that the music was fucking phenomenal. Oh, like, yeah, I really stuff. liked it. So the score is by Mark uh, Mothers, but I've never known how to pronounce his name. It's 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 Mark from 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 Devo or whatever. Like he's a very prestigious musician. What is he Devo? Yeah, he's he's from Devo. Mm-hmm. He is like a big composer, but I've never known how to pronounce his name. Mark Mother's it's either Mother's Bow or Mother's Bach. Mm-hmm. Uh How's he, M it's Mother's yeah. B and then like my name but with a B. B A U G H. Yeah. Mother's Bow. Okay. If we if we assume it's like my name, then it's Mother's Bow. Okay. He um has scored uh movies such as uh Thor Ragnarok, uh, Hotel Transylvania, three and four, um, and and more. So he's mm-hmm. he's around, but yeah, I is he from New Zealand? Is he a New Zealand guy? No, he's not. I, I had the subtitles subtitles on watching this, and yeah. when the music was playing, it described it as agitated music. Playing. Yeah, it is. It's very agitated. It's music. really good score. Like the first. 15 minutes it's the same piece of music constantly yeah like, just he's kind of violins like, like stressful violins stressful violins kind of like i don't know what to compare it to not Birdman. what has like stressful violins? no i i was trying to think because i've definitely heard this before um oh it'll come to me later it'll come to me later yeah stressful violins stressful violins. Uh, and then some of the music towards the end is a little more thomas newman yeah do do sad piano that so i find very moving so yeah i thought the score was really great and i thought that added a lot to the film mm-hmm. and yeah i thought that the vibes of this were really working for me i don't know what else to say about it really uh i was nominated for best screenplay at the gotham independent film awards and that's it that's good i would have nominated ben for best actor for this yeah, I would give him an Oscar nomination. I don't see why not. Let's see what the what the options were that year. And Twenty seventeen. You know, and you know what? Okay, it was a good year for the Oscars. But you know what? I would have also nominated the Sun. I think he's great, Austin Abrams. I would have given him supporting actor. Well, let's see what the options were. But I I feel as though in the in the in this the, feels like a film that didn't exist. It feels like a film that doesn't exist. But I feel like a version of this film that was better really better marketed and pitched and released. Yeah you could have a situation here where I'd be like, yeah, why didn't Ben Stiller get an Oscar nomination for this? People have gotten Oscar nominations for much worse things. Best actor nominees this year, Gary Oldman in Darkest Hour, Timothy Chalamet, Call Me By Your Name, Daniel Day-Lewis in Phantom Thread, Daniel Kaluuya in Get Out, and Denzel Washington, Roman J. Israel Esquire. He didn't have a fucking chance. Um, They're big names. They're like Daniel Kaluuya getting in there is like one of the most like amazing miracles of the century. Um, He obviously won, uh, a year ago in supporting but yeah i haven't really watched roman j israel esquire properly no there's a film that doesn't exist but if you take out gary oldman that's a very strong category i mean chalamet daniel day lewis and kaluuya is fantastic throw ben stiller in there why not supporting actor that year is probably the strongest supporting Mm -hmm. actor category of the century so you've got rockwell woody harrelson Defoe for Florida Project, Richard Jenkins and Christopher Plummer. Yeah, you're not you're not getting poor Austin Abrams in with the boys. I'm afraid. So. Even though Christopher Plummer's work there took place over a bank holiday weekend <laughs> on a fucking green screen set. To yeah. that's just an anti Kevin Spacey nomination. I mean, everyone knows about that, but it is funny how they nominated him just because they were mad at Kevin Spacey and mm. they thought it was impressive that he gave a performance with no notice in like a weekend. And the film did not get delayed by a single day. Is this like the kind of thing where you were pointing out to me before that like the reason like Marvel stuff gets nominated for best graphics is because all the people voting on it realize that they've had such shit conditions to work under that they're like, <laughs> it looks like shit, but it's impressive you did this much in two weeks. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Like Spider-Man got a visual effects nomination. Yeah. And you were like, it looked terrible. And I was like, yeah, but like it they was did great. it in three weeks. Yeah, everyone who knew how the how they did it was yeah. very impressed how fast they did it. Yeah. Yes. I think the acting version of that is Christopher Plummer in All the Money in the World. Yeah. Where it's like. You got cast a month before the film came out, yeah. and they made the release date, and it looked seamless. Yeah. And you're 90 fucking three years old or whatever. R.I.P. Christopher Plummer, a man who never worked with Adam and Ben, I don't think. Huh. Never get to talk about him again. Anyway, I don't really have any more thoughts on Brad's status. 
No, I... It's good. Yes, I also agree it's good, but I think it does lack some sort of great stylistic hmm. uniqueness to it that would kind of yeah. make it great. Like, you, you were comparing it to American Beauty earlier. Like, yes. American Beauty has a very distinct kind of... Of course. And, like... But this is, is fine, but he's kind of... He's not doing anything out of the ordinary here. Yeah, but if he was an actor, we didn't watch it every two weeks in a I movie. Guess. I think he'd be giving... I think we'd be really blown away by this like i think ben stiller lends incredible pathos to this film and i think we're just so used to him that it's like nothing particularly new but does he need to do something new to be really good because i'm no. like this is a great movie star he's so captivating in this and we may be taken for granted a little bit in what he yeah, does I think well. so and sandler can do his crazy voices and his fake teeth and his wigs but maybe what ben stiller is best at is doing a really well-honed version of nice frustrated middle-aged i think i have just seen this character crisis. like five times we now have, in the last we have and it's like i think maybe the novelty had worn off i guess but you know what this movie is this movie is somebody <sighs> it's that tiktok of the guy who only wants to watch the night of the museum scenes that are him bonding with the sun yeah and he decided to just make a whole movie of that that's what this is yeah. and I, that's why i like it so much i like the little segments where he kind of like snaps at the sun because yeah. it's such an asshole well, move the scene, no the scene where he is I mean, it's. I think it's like a good depiction of like mild mental illness. Yeah, like the day before his son is the interview, he drops on him like the financial. I'm gonna stuff. have to pay all, pay yeah, for all this. It's really good. That's like that's awful. Really well written and very realistic depiction of a very annoying, bitter person. Yeah, lashing out. But I think from the perspective of money for no reason, yeah. just to make someone feel guilty. And it's like, and that's uh, traumatizing to a kid because, like, when yeah, you're like a 17 year old going to college, you have this perspective that like. It's all been laid out for you. Well, like, your parents are in complete control and, like, aren't going to make petty snides at you. Yeah, yeah. Like, making it the son's problem. Yeah, so he's going to take that to heart. Like, oh, this is a problem. Yeah. He's not going to see through, kind of, Ben Stiller having his little crisis. Those are the best moments for Stiller. Do you like this or While We're Young better? Because I was thinking, and I was like, oh, the highs of While We're Young are really high. But my God, there's like, I think this is a better 25 minutes of that I don't care about. Like, all the drug stuff at the party, and who's cheating on who, and the baby, and the the mystery with the guy who faked the documentary footage. I just think this is much more consistent throughout. Oh, yeah. This is much worse. But, like, obviously, While We're Young has the quirks of kind of Adam Driver. Yeah, like, it has Adam Driver, and it has the filmmaking stuff, which I like. Like, they could easily exist in the same world. Absolutely. It could be the same character. Yeah. Uh, five years. This could be set five years later and be the same guy with a kid, you know. Not five years, 17 years. Uh, would you, if, could you, would you replace the son in this with, like, Timothy Chalamet? Absolutely. They're the same, like, tone of voice exact and everything. Same. I think I don't know, he is... might be too jarring if it was Timothy Chalamet. But if we didn't know... This guy is like Timothy was. Chalamet with, like, a more ordinary face. I think this guy's, like, soft-spokenness is very unique and I like it a lot. Yeah. He's, like, really, like, Dad, I'm just gonna slur my speech a little bit. Dad, you're embarrassing me. I feel like Timothy Chalamet is too much of an actor. I feel like this guy looks like a real embarrassed 17 year old. Yeah, he doesn't have like he's not quite beautiful enough to look like a movie star. He's like a normal. But he's teenager. also like charming and has like yeah fun he's really friends good. and and apparently he's on Euphoria now. So well mm-hmm. done to him. Okay, uh, class corner. The whole movie's about that. We yeah. talked about it. Moving on. Alex to Alex scale. Uh, There's a weird internal anger to him here. He's very resentful. The whole film is about his anger and resentment. So, honestly, he's going in the top percentile. Yeah, we'll throw him up there. Throwing him up there because I think... He's just a bitter man. Yeah, he's bitter. He doesn't, like, have these, like, yelling outbursts, but he's very bitter. Uh, Wife guys. So, this is interesting. So, we... I had a conversation with someone last week, and it may have been you, of what does Jenna Fisher do? Yeah, it was me. And I was like, she does a podcast. It was a rather grim realization. So Jenna Fisher is the female lead of the biggest sitcom of the last 15 years in terms of, like, how many people stream it daily on Netflix, probably. I'd say it's top on Netflix. Like, I was, yeah, and it's kind of, I've never watched more than one episode of that show. I've seen yeah, my parents or my sister just watched. She's house, never so jumped out to me as she's never jumped out to me as as a good actress <laughs> uh, or anyone with much going on. But she, is, and you'd be right. Yeah, I'd be right. So she hosts an office podcast now called Office Ladies, and it's her and Angela Kinsey, who is also an actress on The Office. Okay, oh, never heard of her. And they, you know, it's in the in the vein of podcasts like West Wing Weekly and Parks and 
what the fuck's it called? Parks and Revisitation, or I don't know what it's called. No anyway, idea. the one that fucking Rob Lowe does. And they do every episode of The Office once a week, and they have guests on. So they've had guests like Rain Wilson, Paul Feig, Ken Jong, Joel McHale, Greg Daniels, John Krasinski's been on it, Mindy Kaling's been on it. Okay, so everyone's been on it. Steve Carell, Ed Helms has been on it. Has Steve Carell been on it? Steve Carell has been on the show. Okay, good. So they've had everyone on it. Great. And they've done 128 episodes. So they're not quite done yet. That's a lot. They've also done an animated series on Comedy Central. What the f- Okay. Anyway, that's what Jenna Fisher does now. Rest in peace, Jenna Fisher's career. You were good in Brad Status for two minutes as the wife that he hates. Really uh, fucking, uh, what's her face? Uh, Skylar, Skylar White type character here like oh i didn't think that at all no just i just mean like a wife that the the film has oh in terms of just the main guy uses a tool to yeah use justify his anger yeah yeah. like i i didn't i didn't think she was well written at all um i think there is a point there that your wife can be too happy maybe i think jenna fisher is good casting as like slightly annoying wife i don't think boring boring wife right like she's good she's so boring yeah she's she's a good boring piece of casting like i don't want to see you know a fucking laura dern in this part like i want someone who i have no interest in because then i'm like okay brad it's that on her office character as well just kind of boring the thing with the office is that i haven't watched enough of the american office but you're herself on the the british office lucy thingy yeah she's like boring in like a really pleasant way where I find her, like, incredibly fun to spend time with. Lucy Davis. I find her incredibly fun to spend time with as a, like, boring English woman who works in an office. Whereas I feel like Jenna Fisher, to me, seems like a lazy choice given the options available in the American television world. Like, you could have cast Amy Poehler in The Office. You don't, you know, whatever. Did Jenna Fisher get work before The Office? Or was she a new... She's, like, around... She no, she's she, you know what? I don't care. No. Jenna Fisher has already taken up to Oh yeah, she's in like um she was in stuff. She was on TV. She was in a show called uh She was in a show called No. I wonder how much that podcast is making her. I'd say that podcast is making her a ton of money because it's got well, she's probably no... got all the office money as well. Like she's fine. Oh, everyone on the office is really wealthy. Yeah. Like the office money rolls in daily. Like yeah, they just get a time... fucking check for a couple of grand yeah, every every, every week every just week. from Netflix. Everyone who watches the Net- uh, the office on Netflix or Peacock or whatever the fuck it's on these days in the U.S. is yeah, they're getting money from that. Like everyone on Big Bang Theory, How I Met Your Mother, The Office, and Friends will be a millionaire for the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. And fair play to them. Maybe not Rain Wilson, but fair play to the rest of them. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's enough about Jenna Fisher, who yeah, I'm yeah. sure is a lovely person. She married to somebody famous in real life. Oh. She is married to... She was married to James Gunn for eight years. James Gunn, the director yeah, of Guardians, Guardians of the Galaxy, Galaxy and the Suicide Squad. A famously annoying guy who like dresses up as pedophiles for parties and stuff as a joke. Was married to Jenna Fisher for eight years. You could have fooled me. Wait, strange dynamic there. That is weird. While she was on The Office. Well, they divorced three years after The Office started, so maybe that's what happened. Oh, this is a long time ago. 2000 to 2008. Had he met Anthony at that stage? Uh, no, not really. He was like a trauma guy. He made like schlocky stuff. Oh, yeah. That's really bizarre. He wrote Scooby-Doo, of course. Classic. Fascinating couple. Fascinating. I, totally opposite types. His girlfriend now, or his partner or whatever, he, he puts her in all the films. She is the type you'd expect him to be with. She is like the women in his films. <laughs> um, James Gunn's a weird guy. I, I don't. I don't really like him. Anyway, I used to. He replied to me on Twitter when I was fifteen, which made my day. So thank you, James Gunn. Maybe um, Jenna Fisher will reply to this podcast. Yeah, maybe Jenna will reply to this podcast. We'll tag her. We'll tag her. So the film in France is called La Vie Ma Vie, which translates as "Life My Life," according to Google. Uh, I feel like a French person would tell me that that is not what it means. It probably has like a, it's probably a saying. Or is it the life, my life, or what a life or something? Yeah. I'll, have to, I'll ask a French speaker. The life is life. Um, ridiculous title. However, Brad's status is also a ridiculous title. I don't know what it means. I don't understand it. It's memorable-ish because it has two I A's mean, in it. It's like Brad's Brad status. status. But it's a bad title. I would rather this film be called fucking like, well, I'm glad it's not called Admission or 
you know, something like that. Just a noun. Call it like the name of a song. Can't always get what you want. I don't care. I mean, Brad's status is quite a literal title. His status. It's not really about his status. Oh, his status, his social status. Yeah. Ugh, I don't know. Eh, there's there's something better there. Yeah. Uh, would the movie work with um, Adam Sandler? No, not in the fucking slightest. No, no, no. The closest character Sandler has played to this is like... I mean, this is kind of his Myra, hustle character, I guess. His which? Hustle. I guess. Myrowitz. Yeah. Just like a teenage child. Myrowitz is... But he's like a... He's still like a... He's still like kind of a... He's a bit of a goofball. He's Myrowitz. like a goofball who wears like a dusty old vintage jacket in that. So you can't imagine 45-year-old Sandler sitting down with like a 21-year-old girl and having this conversation. It would bar. be creepy. It would be strange. Same with While We're Young. Stiller is very good at playing a 50-year-old man who is interested in people in their teens and 20s in, like, a not-quite-creepy way. Yeah. I think he plays that off very well in this film. Despite there being creepy... Hypothetical. Like, he he does have these little fancy visions of, like... fantasies of, like, basically, like... Running away with the girls. Running away with the girls. Running away with the girls. Yeah, getting with them on the beach. And, like, that's based on no one finding his friend has two two young girlfriends. Yeah, but... But it doesn't come across as, like, lustful. It's more just kind of representative of this ideal. He's regretting the past. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. I get where it's coming from. It doesn't feel like American Beauty to me. American Beauty is about, like, hating your wife and wanting to have sex with a teenager. And this is about being kind of frustrated with your wife and wanting to like be 20 again yeah i feel like the fantasy in american beauty you want the is, feeling around yes. sex when you were younger i feel like american beauty is like i am 40 and i want to sleep with a 17 year old this yeah. film is i wish i was 17 again yeah. because i could sleep with 17 year olds yeah. in that version of myself i don't know like ben Stiller like, gets up in the middle of the night to go to a bar to meet this 21 year old lady and like at no point is there any kind of <laughs> no weird tension that it's going to get no. creepy like the son finds out and says it to him the next day. Yeah. And doesn't seem like he's not that confrontational. No, he's I like, are you having some kind of midlife crisis? But he doesn't go like, why the fuck did you do that? Yeah, he's not like, me? that's weird. Which which like a normal person would be. It's funny how the son is like so chill. Yeah. Oh, it's so funny. Um. Okay. Box office time. Box office The time. film came out September 15th, 2017. I started college on the uh, 12th of September, 2017. Oh wow! Okay, um, so this didn't open in the top ten. I'm not surprised. This had a gross of three point eight million dollars, but it, I think it got oh, a very on. small release. It's distributed by Amazon Annapurna. Very small release. Is this the right week? I'm not seeing it here at all. It's probably opened in like three theaters. Oh, fair. But three million? Oh, total. Yeah, total. Oh, okay, okay. So it probably made like. It opened at number thirty-two, making wow. eighty-nine thousand dollars. Yeah, so like one screen, basically. Or like four, four screens. Four screens. Four screens. All right, there you go. That's fine. Yeah. Okay. How much did this cost? I'd say five or okay. six. Who made And one. Amazon and Annapurna. Okay. I'd say it cost five and one of that went to Ben. And it's a good film to make half five. A, yeah, half a million went to Mike White. This is such a cheap film. If you could make 20 of these for oh, instead of the gray man. Oh, my God, right? If you could make 20 of these instead of the gray man and I could watch 20 of these instead of watching the gray man once the world would be so much better yeah. and just put Ryan Gosling in this yes <sighs> let Ryan Gosling do voiceovers I found out the other day that Ryan Gosling's next film is like well he does a voiceover in his best his best drive. film no Papyrus no. oh <laughs> he does a voiceover in Drive doesn't he I don't fucking care about Drive Drive sucks he does a voiceover in Papyrus that's all I care about okay. his best films number one Papyrus number two La La Land yeah. keep going what opened at number one this week? What opened at number one this week? Oh, something new opened at number one. Okay. Oh, no, sorry. It's something from the week before. What is number one? It. It's in its second week. Yes. It. Yeah. It came out the week I moved to Dublin. It's yeah. a film I've never seen. It looks scary. It's called It. At 60 mil. It was an insanely big hit. A big hit. I've never heard of it. It's a big drop off between the, this the, and the next one. The thing one. with It that's fun is that the first It has like no stars in it. And it made way more money than the second one that has Jessica Chastain and James McAvoy yeah. and Bill Hader and shit. I guess people figured out what it was. People were like, oh, this is what it is. Yeah. The second one, it is. the second one has a second one opens with like a horrific like 
um, gay bashing scene that my friend saw in 4DX and was traumatized by. Anyway. Interesting. With Xavier Dolan. Anyway. Did they do a completely original script for the second one, or was it like, ba- oh, the, was split, there a book? Split the book in half. Oh, split the book. Oh, so first half is Oh, like, it's chapter, called chapter two. So the first it? half is the 80s and their children. Yeah. And then the second half is 2018 and oh, okay, adults. Okay. So it's the children from the first movie yeah. played by Chastain and Bill Hader ah. and James McAvoy, who were kind of like cast by Twitter a little bit. Mm, like, like People it. were like, Jessica Chastain would be good in it. And Ooh, she she's got like, red hair. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I'll never watch it as long as I live. I actually, like, every time the trailer came on, I would go on my phone because it was scary. You're, you're a big scaredy cat. I'm a big scaredy cat. I think that'll be the solution to your midlife crisis. Watch horror films? Yeah, it'll reinvigorate you. I mean, maybe. I love reading the plots on Wikipedia. You love reading horror plots? Oh, I fucking, every horror movie that comes out, I read the plot on Wikipedia. Really? Me and the Black Phone Wikipedia page yeah. had a great time last oh, week. Oh, really? Okay. The, I've read that, that It Wikipedia page, like, many times. Okay. It's great because you can picture the scary things, but you can like stop reading anytime. But keep it at a level where it's not too scary. Right? It's just in my imagination. <laughs> reading horror plots on Wikipedia. Really fun, guys. Check it out. Adrenaline rush. Yeah. Okay, big drop off. Next up, a Michael Cuesta film. Oh, my days. This could be anything. I mean, it's September. This could be like some fucking like Kevin Hart comedy. It could be some random fucking two Medea type thing. <laughs> no, it's not even close. Not even close. Okay. All right. It stars Dylan O'Brien. Okay, the movie is called American Assassin. Yeah. Michael Keaton's in this. And Taylor Kish. I have not thought about this since 2017. I didn't... Did I just not... Was I just not aware of films this no, year? No, you were. You were. I've never I, heard of this. Like, I wouldn't even... even like, this opened 14 million. Like, this There's no amazing. world in which American Assassin would come up in conversation. I feel like now mm-hmm. I'd be less oh. surprised by Michael Keaton making that. At the time, I was like, come on, Michael Keaton. You're, you've got a bit of juice left in the tank. Why are you doing yeah. this? Now he's just showing up in every old piece of shit, like... Maybe I have seen some of this. Morbius. Or not seen it, but heard of it. American anyway. Assassin has film four energy. Yeah, oh, absolutely. It's just a whatever. I don't have strong views on Dylan O'Brien. He seems like a nice guy. He's good on Curb. I don't know. Next up. Yeah. This has some punctuation in the name. A, uh, what a parenthesis, a semicolon. An explanation, an exclamation point. An exclamation point is at the end of the name. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. So it's word and then with emphasis interesting how many letters in the word like long is a long word or a short word six letters an exclamation point at the end oh man you know this film i'm sure i you've do seen it. i think you like it oh, oh maybe not like it i'm looking at your exclamation. Three, three stars here on letterbox so but... i've seen this film yeah and it's from 2017 it has an exclamation point yeah fascinating um is it a comedy no it's not a comedy kind of a it's kind of whatever psychological thriller horror. Ah, I haven't seen it. Oh, with an exclamation point! With an exclamation point! Psychological thriller horror. What the fuck was I watching? All lowercase. Oh, this. Yeah, of course. Darren Aronofsky's movie Mother. Yes, Mother is a live action SpongeBob episode. That is what that movie is. That is mm-hmm. the energy of it. If you want to watch a live action SpongeBob episode, watch Mother. It is fun, but not amazing it's basically a movie about what if you were trying to relax in your house and the door was left open and people just keep coming into your house and making a mess Uh, and it is very fucking stressful because it's like a it's like a nightmare like it's like a very good movie version of like nightmare where people are in your house and they won't leave they're not trying to hurt you they're just annoying yeah crazy cast so it's Jennifer Lawrence, mm-hmm. Javier Bardem, Ed Harris, mm-hmm. Michelle Pfeiffer, Kristen Wiig. Crazy. Brian and Donald Gleason. Yeah, Brian and Don- Brian and Donald Gleason. Was it Brian? Yeah. Brian. Crazy cast. It's worth watching. And a character called Bumbler. Yeah, that's where it's, Bumbler, it's, Fool, it's, Wanderer. It's a fun movie. Idler, Whisperer. Uh, Mother, one of the only Adulterer. films, one of the only films ever to get a, an F cinema score. Audiences hated it. Really? It's almost impossible to get an F cinema score. Basically, what it means is that you... Mark- oh, sorry, not like a rating. No, an F cinema score, like the people who were walking out of the cinema in America gave it an F. Nothing gets that. To get an F cinema score, you have to advertise your film as being one thing, and then the actual film is the complete opposite thing. So what do people think this was? They thought that it was going to be like a horror. and then Like a flight plan kind of thing. They thought it was going to be like a, I don't know, woman in a fucking haunted house type thing, I guess. Oh. 
and it's a SpongeBob. It's the tone of SpongeBob. Like, yeah. It's like a really goofy, silly comedy dream type thing. I don't know. Interesting. It's interesting. I'll have to check it out. I'm trying to think of other F Cinema scores from th- what was the most recent one. But no, like like a, like a bad film will never get an F Cinema score, yeah. right? Like it's it never, has to be like disastrously misleading. It has to be everyone who went to see this with a wrong audience for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the box with Cameron Diaz got an F. Um, I mean, the ratings on Letterboxd for this are quite good. Oh yeah, like it's overwhelmingly four star reviews. Yeah, right? like Letterbox people would like it. Yeah, uh, got a lot of heart. Oh yeah, in the cut, the the fucking Jane Campion movie with uh, Meg Ryan and Mark Ruffalo that got an F cinema score because that's like advertised. The poster for that is like a woman's been murdered and she might be next. It's like like sort of like a detective movie, yeah. but it's actually just like a woman trying to grapple with the consequences of a society that is constantly violent towards women and alone in her house it's, mm-hmm. it's like it's like a sad sad drama uh killing them softly with brad pitt which was advertised as like a, a gangster action movie and is basically just people sitting around talking lucky numbers with john travolta and elisa kudrow which was advertised as like a crazy comedy about people killing uh someone accidentally and it's actually like a crazy fucking i'm seeing a trend here where like yeah, people are expecting people to die and they don't uh, yes, our girl Mackenzie Davis in a movie here called Ooh. The Turning. The Wicker Man remake with Nicolas Cage. The Grudge remake 2020. Anyway, interesting. Uh, yeah, there you go. Enough. Next up. Yeah. Reese Witherspoon. Home so, again. Home again. Home again, directed by the daughter Ooh. of Nancy Myers, Hallie Myers Shire. Yep. And it is... It is the very red poster of her with her. Yeah, it's like a reverse Nancy Myers poster. Yeah, it's a reverse Nancy Myers poster. Instead of white, there's red. And that is, was there was yeah there was a poster up for that when I moved up to Dublin. Life for a single mom in Los Angeles takes an unexpected turn when she allows three young guys to move in with her. Sounds like mother. <laughs> I would watch that if I was pressed. Yeah. If that was on TV. I would watch that. Yeah, it's like ninety-seven that minutes. Sounds very consumable. Yeah. But nothing more to say about it. No. I feel like if you go down a little bit further, this box office is going to be some big hitters from the summer. Mm. A couple of of our faves. I think this one came up before. Mm. And we had a fun time because I give you a fun description of it. Okay, we'll try again. It is, um, yeah, uh, we definitely did this one before. All right. And I think I described it as the title is the something the I'm gonna the job of someone who has a job. No. Oh, fuck. Jesus. That's not it. I'm going to... Re- oh. I don't know. This is the guy who has a job. Yeah. But the film is about a guy who works for him doing a different job. What? Oh, 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 oh. The hitman's bodyguard. Yeah, I, I can't remember how I described how this. Before. We've done this one before. I I feel like I remember calling. Oh Maybe god, it was on an old so podcast. Warm in here. Oh my god. Open the window. Yeah, open the window. Um. Oh my goodness. Yeah, the hitman's bodyguard. Uh, I watched like ten minutes of that. And I turned it off. Yeah, it's terrible. I hate Ryan Reynolds. I think there was just a scene in South Africa or something. Like die, something. Ryan Reynolds. Die. Was it during the World Cup in South Africa? Was that 2016? No, no, it was 2010. They should make. They should make. Oh, I think it's a Denzel one and two guns. Could be that they should make uh they should make or they you know they made a sequel called the hitman's wife's bodyguard yeah but i thought it was going to be called the hitman's bodyguard's wife but it was the hitman's wife's bodyguard which is better <laughs> they should do the next one should be the hitman's wife's bodyguard's bodyguard or hitman's like wife's bodyguard's lawyer yeah the hitman's wife's bodyguard's dentist yeah and they just changed the tone entirely keep going like keep getting further away from the hitman until eventually until eventually it's brad status and it's called yeah. like the hitman's wife's bodyguards uh you know lecturers cousins, cousins fucking thing yeah. it's brad, and it's, every movie should just relate just to the hitman's, the hitman's bodyguard that's a good bit someone should have done it. i don't know which one is the hitman and which one is the bodyguard i don't know either i i'd assume ryan reynolds is the hitman mm, no i think ryan reynolds is the bodyguard really Okay, hold on. I think Ryan Reynolds is the bodyguard because the the title of the movie is about the bodyguard, right? Yeah. And Ryan Reynolds is first build. That's the only reason I think that. The world's top bodyguard gets a new client. It doesn't help. A hitman (laughs) who must testify at the International Court of Justice. You're telling me a hitman body that guard? (laughs) Who's the fucking bodyguard? 
<laughs> You're telling me a body hit that guy? They must put their You're telling me a man hit that bodyguard? There's, there's no indication who's it. <laughs> tell me. Tell me who's the hitman's bodyguard. Uh, At least in the other one, we know it's the wife. Yeah. But I don't know who she's married to. Who's her husband? Okay. Ryan Reynolds is the bodyguard. Okay. And Samuel Jackson is the hitman. That's okay. what I thought. That would, yeah, that would make is married sense. to Samuel L. Jackson. Okay. The th- you know the, the third movie? Stacked supporting cast. The third movie? Sorry, the second movie. Stacked supporting cast. Salma Hayek. Antonio Banderas. The wife's bodyguard. This is the hitman's wife's bodyguard. Okay, yeah. You got... You got... Oh, my God. It's like a sauna in here. Fuck, I'm, I'm dripping sweat. Salma Hayek. And how do you get so hot so quickly? Salma Hayek, Antonio Banderas, Morgan Freeman, Richard E. Grant, and Rebecca Front are all in it. And Gary Oldman approves briefly in archive footage from the first film. I'm sure he got a good paycheck for that. I like that Gary Oldman made this the same year he won the Oscar for Darkest Hour. Yeah. Really showing his range. I do like the... Wait, is Selma Hayek in the first one? No. No. I don't think so. Sorry, I thought she was. No, she's She not. was in the first oh, one. Oh, she is. She's in the first one. And they... They, they just bumped her up. They just bumped her up and named her really cool. second one after her. They should just keep rotating the three names until someone else is the top builder. I, I believe, deep in my heart, that the image of Morgan Freeman on this poster is the same image of him on all of the Olympus Has Fallen movie posters. They haven't taken a new photo of him. No need. I like how he's doing the Bruce Willis thing, but like fully conscious. Yeah. And they're all they're all released theatrically, you know? Like Bruce mm. Willis is making films in like Moldova for... But this is like a proper film. These are all proper. Morgan Freeman makes like eight of these a year, but they're yeah. all real films. Okay. I feel like he's at a status where he gets to be in actual films, but he sleepwalks through them the way that Bruce Willis does. Yeah, because people only cast him for one thing really he must have so much money mm. him and Michael Caine must have so much money anyway okay speaking of which happy 10th anniversary to the Dark Knight Rises 10 years tomorrow article on my blog Another tomorrow if you coming up here I don't know okay we'll skip to the good stuff we're, 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 okay next we've got we've a Wind River yeah Taylor Taylor Jeremy Sheridan Renner? yeah Taylor Sheridan the Yellowstone guy huh. with the most successful man on television. then we've got Annabelle Creation that's a horror that's thing, a sequel to Annabelle the horror doll I read the Wikipedia page of that one yeah nice pretty good yeah then we've got where they create Annabelle. oh we have another exclamation point film no yeah surely not absolutely the death of Stat. no no it's a single word four letters I don't know is it a comedy it sounds like it I don't be know kids. it's not showing up on Letterboxd it's not showing up on Letterboxd hold on I think so, but there's no exclamation point. No, that's not it. That's a short film. Oh, this is called Leap. Oh yeah, it's like a ballerina thing. Weinstein Co. That's where the Carly Rae Jepsen song um, "Skip to the Feeling" was written for that movie. Huh? Not showing up on that box. Yeah, it's called something different in in America. I think mm-hmm. it has a few different names. Next up, film that's in its eleventh week. Dunkirk. No. The uh, Spider-Man yeah. thingy, Homecoming. Mm-hmm. Yep. Then Dunkirk is next. Yep. Then we got. Uh, Dawn of Rises of War for the Planet of the Apes with Tom Clant. Emoji movie. Uh, written by Mike Weiss. Oh. My man. Two films in a row. <laughs> the best and He's worst buzzing. film of the He's year. Buzzing. He's got right there. This is his, this is his week. This is his week. Uh, next up is a film we watched in Westport. Uh, Steven Soderbergh. Uh, Logan Lucky. Logan Lucky. A bit of LL there. I don't like Logan Lucky. Shane does. Then we've got... Most, it's fine. Most of the world likes Logan Lucky. It's just like a grand heist movie. I just think it's boring. I think Steven Soderbergh is a bad director. Really? Yeah. He's only got one stick. Yep. Okay, now here we go. Oh. This is... This film... This is going to be our longest episode. What the fuck? Okay. This... We need to talk about this. Okay. (laughs) Was it... This had the greatest... One of the best taglines we've seen. It had a great poster. (laughs) uh, Vertical poster. A vertical poster? A vertical poster where the title runs vertically. (laughs) It's not like the word is like what? rotated ninety ninety degrees. The so the w- fuck are you talking about? The Dark Tower. The Dark Tower. Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, I was thinking about this yesterday. Yeah. Because I really like the poster. It's a no. It's horrible poster. I think it's all right. It's okay. It's okay. It's a. It's the Empire State Building. In but it's silhouette. upside down. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Dark Tower is kind of fun. That's a movie where Matthew McConaughey says, you can't yes. defeat me. I I can control the magics or something. Yeah. What is it? Sorry, that was it. I was trying to think, what, what was is, the tagline or no? What is, what, is, what is the line? 
Nothing can defeat me. I something. There are other worlds than these. Oh, is that's the like, tagline. That's like a Stitcher tagline. Yeah. Wait, magics. Is that grammatically correct? <laughs> Nothing can defeat my magics. Ah, I like that my my own article came up when I googled the quote. Oh, okay. My own review came up. You're the number one expert on no, because I quote, the title of my quotes. the title of my review was "Resist the Magic." <laughs> the Dark Tower is relatively harmless bunkum. <laughs> did I did I put the full quote in the review? I did. I did. I did. I did. I did. Okay. He goes. He goes. Your ability to resist my magics. So I was thinking about this yesterday, right? Because Idris Elba showed up. Spoiler. Spoiler for Thor. Idris Elba showed up in Thor Love and Thunder in the uh, post credit scene, even though he died in the previous one. You didn't know he was in those at all, did you? No, well, I assumed he was. And when you were saying he was showing up, I was like, what? Surely he's in those already. No, he died in the third one. Oh. He shows up in the fourth one for like 10 seconds. Sure. And I was looking up. I was like, was he in the third one? And I looked it up and he was. And I was kind of interested because I was like, oh, it's funny how he was fourth build in Thor Ragnarok a couple of months after he was first build in The Dark Tower. Mm -hmm. It's funny that in the same year he was like really A-list and then like not. But anyway, I think it's easy to say. Do you consider this an A-list film? No, a lot more people saw Thor Ragnarok than saw The Dark Tower. So the size of the role doesn't really matter. Uh, There are other worlds than these. Yes. Is that chronically correct? No. There are other worlds than these. No, because these worlds doesn't make any sense. There's only one world. The English language does not acknowledge that there is more than one world. There are other worlds than these. <laughs> Keep saying it. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna it make gets it so much worse. There are other worlds than these. They're just than these. There's ones. only one world. There are more worlds than these worlds. What a stupid name. But what about Cineworld? Yeah, what about Cineworlds? What about World of Wonder? There are more Cineworlds than these. Oh, I'm, I'm uh, fed up. Yeah, it's we're, too sweaty. We're done. All right, we're done. Thanks, everyone, for tuning uh, in. No, we're done. Yeah. We're done. We're done. We're done. We're done. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Brad status, The Walking Dead. Check your status. Your be nice to your kids. Be nice to your kids. Uh, fucking... Your friends aren't doing better than you, so don't think they're... True. Grass is never greener. Yep. Or it's always greener, but it's not really. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Take a, take a chill pill, guys. Like, being, being sad. You don't know good. what crosses other people are carrying. Exactly. You don't know whose child is having spinal surgery. You don't know what friends of yours are getting married without inviting you. Yeah, exactly. You'll never find out. No. Even in the Scandinavian context. No. So tune in uh, next week where we are going to do an Adam and that's all. Adam and Ben Pod on social media. Thanks for tuning in. It is 30 degrees right now. Bye-bye. Hot damn.